We are so glad to have you here with us today. Uh, today is uh, the last message in a series. Uh, we've been in here all month long, a series called A Light Has Dawned. And uh, I want to finish up this series today by looking with you at, at an important event uh, that took place after the birth of Jesus. And so if you've got a Bible uh, around you today, I, I want to invite you to take it. Uh, there's some on the floor if you didn't bring your own. Uh, we'll also have these verses on the side screen, or if you use something like the YouVersion app uh, on your phone, feel free to go there with us. And I know we've got some kids uh, in the room with us this morning too, and uh, so maybe you'd find this to be a helpful way in following along with us today. Matthew chapter 2, uh, what we find is that shortly after uh, Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, they took Jesus, uh, the baby Jesus, up to Jerusalem uh, where they presented him as a baby in the temple. Um, as an Israelite family, this was their custom to, to take the newborn baby to the temple for a dedication. It's kind of like what we do when we dedicate children here uh, at Genesis Church. And uh, when they were finished, they returned to their uh, newly established home uh, in this place where Jesus was born, this little town uh, called Bethlehem. Now, it's while they were living in Bethlehem that some special men uh, came to see Jesus. Now, this is the story of the Magi or the wise men. And we know from Scripture that they brought three gifts uh, to give to Jesus. And maybe help me out a little bit. What are those three gifts? We've got gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all right? Three gifts uh, for Jesus. Now, it's one of the reasons why we give gifts uh, at Christmas. And for Jesus and his family, uh, these were very special gifts. I mean, anyone would have loved to receive uh, some valuable gifts like these. Now, if we're honest with ourselves and maybe coming off a week of, well, if you're like us, several different Christmas uh, celebrations with, uh, with different families, uh, chances are you received some gifts uh, over this past week. How, how many, especially kids in the room, how many of you received, and Daniel Coppock, kids and Daniel Coppock, how many of you received gifts uh, this past week? All right, how many of you received some gifts that you were pretty excited about? Uh, anybody get some gifts? All right, plenty of hands going up around the room. How many of you maybe opened a gift and and, well, you weren't so excited about it. I mean, maybe you got something that's like, really? I mean, this you gave me an errand, as, uh, as someone once said. You know, you've got an errand to run this week uh, in taking your gifts back. Well, um, if that was you and if you were disappointed in any way at one of your gifts, maybe you can relate to a couple of these little kids. Check this out. You want to open one present early? Yeah, my present, which is the Ben Temple. Oh, well, I wonder what you're going to get. Well, look, 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 sit at the table because Connie... There's a present for you. And Louie, there's an early present for you. What is it? What do you think it's going to be, Louie? Maybe Ben Sam Watch. Maybe. Can you help me, Daddy? Yeah. Daddy, what is it? It's not Bobby and King King. It's my present. It's my present. Thank you for my onion. 
Thank you for my onion. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I mean, I think it was the dad's joke to see, well, you know, I'll just see if I can get by with a banana and an onion. Or should I say the banana, you know, in your uh, best British voice. But, you know, I don't, I don't know what we, can sure, uh, what we can learn from this dad, but uh, there are a few really important lessons that we can learn together uh, from these men who visited Jesus uh, and with their gifts. And so let's dig a little deeper into this story together. In Matthew chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1, let's pick it up there. We read, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, uh, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, if we just stop there for a second, who, who were these men? Who were these Magi? Because it kind of sounds like the name of some character from Star Wars or something, uh, but we know that's not the case. But uh, tradition says there were three of these men, uh, but the Bible doesn't say. I mean, all we know for sure is that these men came from the east, and most scholars believe that they were likely teachers uh, or instructors of some kind. At the very least, we know that they were very intelligent men uh, who spent much of their time studying wisdom and, and things like philosophy, which meant they were seekers uh, of the truth. I mean, that's why we call them uh, the wise men. And in their day, uh, and in this particular culture, the study of the stars played a major role uh, in seeking out things like wisdom and truth. And so that's why they were so intrigued by this star in the sky. It wasn't just because they loved the stars, but when they looked to the stars, they were always looking to find truth uh, and to seek direction and guidance uh, for their lives. They looked to the stars. And if we can just stop there for a second, can I just ask you uh, to think uh, about your own life and even in your own thinking uh, in processing today. I mean, where do you go looking for guidance in your life? Uh, where, where do you go looking for wisdom and uh, things like truth and direction? I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, we look to all sorts of places for, for guidance and direction today. I mean, if you're going to cook something and you want to do it right, you look to a cookbook, right? I mean, you look to a cookbook for, for guidance and direction or, you know, maybe, you know, as a parent or, you know, if you're a little bit older as a kid, you spend a lot of time looking at an instruction manual uh, this past week for that new toy or that new gift that, uh, that you received. I mean, you can find a tutorial for just about anything on YouTube uh, today. It's a beautiful resource, you know, if you're trying to get from one place to another. But what about the bigger questions of life? You know, for you, I mean, where do you go looking for purpose? Or uh, where do your beliefs come from? I mean, what things do you allow uh, to shape your uh, thinking? Maybe, uh, may, and, and don't, don't laugh because I think it's more true than realize. And maybe for some of you, maybe you look to your favorite musical artist uh, for direction in life. And because you really like their music uh, and the lyrics that they, they write, you think they've got it all together and they've got it all right. I mean, maybe you look to a, a particular political party uh, for direction. And so your beliefs and your values are shaped by whatever a, a particular uh, political party might say. I mean, maybe you uh, form your beliefs today based on popular opinion. And so, you know, you're always kind of gauging and asking yourself, okay, what's the popular opinion today? What's the popular opinion at my school or on my campus uh, about any particular issue? Or what do I hear the media saying? I mean, we, more than we realize, we trust our own intelligence. We think we're smart enough to figure it out and to discern these things on our own. Or maybe you ask uh, Siri for guidance, right? I mean, Siri's always right. And, and so you look to something like your phone for guidance. Well, as Christians, God wants us to look to Him. 
I mean, to find guidance and direction for life uh, from Him. And that's point number one in your notes if you're following along with us, and that is that God wants to guide you. Uh, as a Christian, as, as someone who is seeking answers and looking for truth right now in your life, uh, the Lord wants to guide you. He wants to show you how to live. I mean, He wants to give you direction. Uh, uh, he wants to give you answers and uh, provide meaning and, and purpose for your life. But you have to want that. I mean, we have to desire that. I mean, God is willing to guide, but He's willing to guide those who are willing to be heard uh, to, to hear from him and to, to look for him. And that's what we see in these magi. I mean, the magi, they were seeking truth. They were looking for guidance in their lives. And because of it, I mean, they were willing to go to great lengths uh, to discover and to receive this direction. I mean, this, this trip to Bethlehem was not like the, the three-hour trip that you took to Grandma's house this past week, I mean, where you, you passed several Starbucks along the way, you know, to, to help you get through and to make it all of the way. I mean, these men... Uh, we believe they came as far uh, away as, uh, as Bethle- or Babylon, uh, which meant that their trip probably took several months. And add to it, they left, they left their families behind. They left their jobs behind. I mean, this was a long and a difficult trip. Uh, and all that to say, by the time they reached Jesus, he was likely a few months old, as some believe maybe as old as a couple of years old by the time the wise men got there. And so they went to great lengths uh, to, to, to seek truth, to meet Jesus. And let me just ask you, I mean, what, what lengths are you going to in your life right now in order to know Jesus? Uh, what, what, what disciplines are you developing? What, what lengths are you willing to go to in order to know him better and to discover his guidance uh, and direction for your life? I mean, how passionately are you seeking uh, to discover God's will for your life right now? Um, you know, what, would God look at your life and say, yes, that's a man who is looking for me with all of their heart and soul? Would he, would he look to you and say, you know what, that is a woman who is looking to me with all of her heart and soul? I mean, would he look to you as a student and say, you know, there, there's a student that is looking uh, to me, looking with all of their heart and their soul? See, here's the thing. When you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you're inviting him. You're asking him to be the Lord of your life too. And that means that he is the one that you look to for leadership. He's the one that you look to for guidance uh, and direction before anything else. And what, what's sad is that it's possible and probably unfortunately a little too common for people to trust Christ as their savior and for their forgiveness of their sins, but not submit to Jesus as the Lord of their life. That, that, that we want him to come and to be our savior, but we're not willing to look to him for that guidance and direction that we need. And, and so it's possible to have Christ in your life and to pay no attention to him, and that's not what God wants for you. That's not what he wants for your life. He wants to guide you, but you, you have to seek that guidance. You have to open yourself up to that guidance and direction from him. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And he says, For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And uh, God says, even before that, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, he says, You will seek me, and what? Find me. He says, you will seek me. Another, another translation says, if you will seek me, you will find me. If you will seek me with all of your heart and all of your soul. See, God wants to guide you. Uh, he, he wants to be that guidance and that direction. He wants to be that voice for you. He wants to give direction in your life. I mean, that's what he did for the wise men. And that's what he wants to do for you too. And he gave the magi a star in the sky, but he's given us something even better. 
uh, to guide us. Let's keep reading together. Uh, Matthew 2, verse 3, it says, When King Herod heard this, uh, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. It says, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Verse 5, it says, In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Now, I want you to just notice here how this is in quotes and maybe italicized in your own Bible. They respond, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd for my people Israel. Now, when King Herod met these wise men and heard that they were looking for a king, uh, the scriptures say that he was disturbed. Now, uh, we've talked about him just a little bit over these past couple of weeks. We know that he wasn't a good guy. He had a very bad uh, reputation. He was evil, egotistical, and insanely suspicious. Uh, he killed members of his own family. We know that uh, from historical records, including his own son. In fact, Caesar Augustus uh, once remarked that you were safer being Herod's pig than you were being one of his own children. I mean, this is his reputation and the type of man that he was. And so we see here in these words that he was disturbed. And as we also read, all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him because they knew that if Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy, all right? I mean, if he's upset, well, that's just going to mean problems for everyone else. But there's something else that I want you to notice too. And that is that while Herod was evil, he was smart too. I mean, he was a smart guy. I mean, he was smart enough to surround himself with these chief priests and these spiritual advisors uh, who knew the wisdom of God. And so that's why it says that when he heard from the wise men of their suspicion that there had been a king born, what did he do? He called all of these faithful priests and teachers of the scriptures together and he asked them for help. And notice what happens when he goes looking to them for advice. Where do they turn? The scriptures say that they turn to scripture. You see, when Herod asked them about where the Messiah would be born, they quoted, and again, this is that italicized portion or that quoted portion in that passage we looked at just a moment ago, they quoted an Old Testament passage of Scripture from Micah 5, 2, when he prophesied and said, but you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And so Herod asked his spiritual advisor, he says to him, hey, is there something to this uh, king that's to be born, this king of the Jews? And what do they respond? Yeah. Yeah, there, there are words. You know, hundreds of years before, there are words that just say a baby, a king will be born and he will be born in Bethlehem. See, these advisors knew that God reveals his plans and that he guides through the Bible. And do you know what? Just as God guided these men, these advisors through his word, you got to know that he wants to guide you through his word too. He wants to guide you through the scriptures. That's point number two for you. God wants to guide you through his word. Uh, he wants to guide you through uh, the Bible that, that you have, the Bible that's available to you. I mean, God guided these magi, these wise men, by a star, uh, and then he guided them by sending these priests uh, and teachers of Scripture into their lives. And, and at this particular point in history, everybody in Israel uh, looked to these priests and looked to these advisors and these teachers because they had access uh, to God's Word and, and therefore to God's plans. And you know what? Today, you and I can know God's Word 
and we can know his plans because we've been given the Bible. And while it's good uh, to come and to come to a place like this and to listen to different people teach uh, and and to be here uh, for a worship service uh, and listen to a message and how God wants to use these things, you need to know that God wants to guide you in your life and he wants to guide you personally as you read and as you study his word too. Uh, as you do this on your own. I mean, just as God uses Scripture to guide uh, these magi 2,000 years ago, He wants to use His Word. He wants to use the Bible to guide you uh, in your life. It's why we read in Psalm 119, uh, verse 105 here. You know, this was, uh, we don't know exactly who this was that wrote down these words or uh, gave these words. We know that they're ultimately from the Lord, but this is obviously someone who is very familiar with the Scriptures and spent a lot of time studying the Bible. And he said, you know, your word, God, is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, your word guides me. This is something that he had learned and is now passing on to others. In Hebrews chapter 4.12, we read, For the word of God is alive and active. Uh, it's not some ancient, outdated book, but even today it's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And then we read over in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I mean, why look to the Word of God? Why to look to the Bible today for guidance? Because here's what we believe. We believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So that what? Look at verse 17. So that the servant, that means people like you and me, as we read it and as we study it, so that the servant of God may be what? Thoroughly equipped thoroughly equipped in life. Wouldn't you like to be able to say that, you know, in my life right now and the questions and the challenges that are before me or heading into this next year, that I know that I will be thoroughly equipped by the Word of God as a lamp to my feet and as a light unto my path. Hey, how many of you make New Year's resolutions? Anybody a big New Year's resolutions person? Nobody? All right, well, just hang with me for a second. Uh, well, we, we, we think about it, right? Or, you know, we, even, even if you aren't a big New Year's resolution, right? Chances are we've got some people here today that as you approach a new year, you write down some goals, right? And, and maybe your work requires that you write down some goals, or maybe just personally uh, you think about some goals for your life or for your home or for your family. Um, I, I was a little curious this past week, so I, I just Google searched. Uh, top New Year's resolutions uh, for 2014, all right, just this past year. Like, what were those top five? And they probably won't surprise you. Number five had everything to do with exercise, uh, just staying fit, eating right, healthy living. Uh, Number four was less stress, you know, and so, uh, you know, what do you need to do to enjoy life to the fullest? Number three was, uh, were financial sorts of goals, you know, spending less, uh, saving more. Uh, the number two uh, resolution for people was just kind of about taking control of your life, priorities, getting organized, uh, having a schedule and a calendar. The number one uh, resolution for 2014, again, probably won't surprise you, was just about your diet, you know, and, and losing weight. Um, I, I like what the comedian uh, Brian Regan had to say about this. He said, you know, my New Year's resolution uh, for 2014 was to lose 20 pounds this year. He says, I'm excited. I only have 25 more to go. All right. Um, 
I, I don't know about you. I don't know if, again, if you'll write any of these down, I think it's good. I think it's good practice for us. But as you think about setting some goals for the new year, uh, chances are you've got some things that come to mind. But I, I want to suggest uh, one thing for you, and, and maybe more for some of you. It might be a challenge to do two things in 2015. But these two things... Uh, have everything to do with looking to God uh, for guidance and direction in your life. Uh, they're in your notes. The first one is this. It, it's just a challenge to read the Word of God. That if you're not doing this, um, I, I would challenge you to make it a goal for this next year to read the Bible, to read the Word of God every day. Some form of it. Uh, developing this discipline in your life uh, of reading the Bible, even if it's just for a few minutes a day, just to make it your goal every day to read the Bible until it becomes a discipline for you. Now, as you go into this, I want to suggest that you come up with a plan. Uh, don't just go into this cold turkey. Don't go into it without some sort of a plan because I just find that that doesn't work well uh, if you don't have a plan and if you're just going to sit every morning and just kind of, yeah, right there, you know, and open your Bible to some, you know, random page. Maybe that works for you. I've never found that it really works for me. Uh, and so come up with a plan. Set a goal in your reading. And so you could do some things like this. Make, make it a goal as you get into January to read through a book of the Bible. And uh, there are 66 of them to choose from. I think some of them might be a little bit better starting places uh, than others. Something like reading through the book of John would be a great place to start. Uh, in fact, you'll get a head start on a sermon series that we're going to begin in February where we're going to study the seven miracles of Jesus that are found in the Gospel of John. And so uh, maybe you make it your goal every day, uh, starting in January, to read the Gospel of John. Or uh, if you want to look to something like the Gospel of Luke, I, I think Luke offers one of the best chronologies of the life of Jesus. Uh, and so you could start in a place like Luke or, or pick a book like Proverbs. You know, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs, so that's going to get you through a month. And so uh, for you, as you get started in January, you say, you know what, I'm going to read one proverb, one chapter out of Proverbs uh, each day. Or uh, if you're a little more motivated or if you have some experience in this, maybe you make it a goal to read through the New Testament uh, in 2015. Or uh, even more than that, that you would say, you know what, I want to read through the Bible, uh, the whole Bible in 2015. And that might mean cover to cover, starting in Genesis, ending in Revelation, each of them in order. Um, but if you've never looked or discovered before, you'll find there are all sorts of reading plans for how to get through the Bible or how to get through any particular book. Book or, or, or different themes. Uh, we talk about this from time to time, but there's a great app that you can get for your phone or a website that you can vi visit. Uh, it's just simply called YouVersion, and a YouVersion offers hundreds of different kinds of reading plans. And you can, you can pick a reading plan that'll take you a week, a reading plan that'll take you a month, a reading plan that'll take you several months or a whole year, and again, to read through the whole Bible or a particular uh, book. The last time we recommended this, it was the first time a woman in our church had heard of this YouVersion. She still comes up to me from time to time and said, man, thank you for recommending YouVersion to me. I have found it uh, to be so helpful. And uh, so check something out like that. Just go, go to any search engine. Go to something like Google and type in Bible reading plan. You'll, you'll find there are more of them than you'll ever be able to possibly uh, get through. But we want to, I want you, I'm encouraging you and challenging you to make it your goal to read through the Bible every day. And again, as you get started, if that's just a few verses a day uh, to get going or a few chapters a day or a chapter a day, whatever it is, Make it your goal to say, I'm going to read my Bible every day in 2013. And I just want you to know that works if you're a kid or a student too. And I know my kids are in the room right now, and so they're hearing this challenge. 
Um, but, you know, make it your goal if you're a kid uh, or a student. I mean, you're never too young to make this a discipline in your life. And moms and dads, you know, one of the greatest gifts that you can give your kids is to encourage them uh, to read the Bible, to look to it uh, for guidance. Let them see you reading the Bible. I mean, lead, lead by example as you read it every day. And let me just give you some freedom here, too. I mean, don't treat this uh, like other New Year's resolutions where we get at them for a couple of weeks and then we kind of fall off uh, later. You know, make it your goal, again, to read the Bible every day until it becomes a discipline uh, for you. And if you're like me, if you miss a day or two once in a while, don't beat yourself up. Just pick it up and keep reading. And uh, let me add this in there as well. If you're new to all of this, uh, and if you're new to reading the Bible and you don't quite understand everything as you read, um, that's okay. And you need to know that you're not alone, all right? That even as we read today, no matter how long you've been a part of this, I mean, let's just say the Bible once in a while can be difficult to understand. But keep reading, all right? Keep going. Don't give up. And don't let something like that be a discouragement to you. Now, maybe you've been reading the Bible for a while now. And uh, you've kind of developed this as a discipline, or you've gotten started uh, in this as a discipline, and you're ready to take things uh, to a new level. You want to go deeper. Or, or maybe because you'd say, you know what, I'm hungry to know more, uh, and maybe this is something you're discovering in your life for the first time, you're willing to do some more so that you can fully understand God's plan for your life. If that describes you, I want to challenge you uh, to move beyond just simply reading the Bible every day uh, to also studying uh, the Word of God too. And uh, that's the second thing there in your notes, and that is the challenge to study the Word of God. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to share a simple method uh, with you to help you better understand God's Word or to study God's Word. And, and we've mentioned this here before, but maybe, and maybe you've seen this somewhere else or maybe you've never heard of it, but it's a study method uh, using an acronym, and it's just simply the word SOAP. All right? Just kind of like what you use in the shower. All right? S-O-A-P. And uh, you can use this method alongside of anything that you are reading, any reading plan in the Bible. And it's a four-step plan. It goes like this. Letter S just stands for Scripture. All right? And for us, this is where you just open your Bible each day to whatever you're reading, and you take time, and you read it, and allow, you allow God to speak to you and into your life as you read. And when you're done, you look for a verse that stands out to you, and then you just write it down. And maybe as you get started, you just pick one verse, and you write it down, and you just kind of study it, and you spend a little bit of time with it. All right? So that's letter S. The second letter is the letter O, which just stands for observation. All right, and this is just where we look at that verse and we ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want to speak into my life through this passage? And so that's what you do. You just ask him to speak to you through this particular passage. And, and you can do some things like this. You could paraphrase the words. I'll do that once in a while and just kind of write them out uh, in my own words to better understand them. Uh, you might find it helpful. Uh, I have found it helpful to, to use something like a journal where you can write and you can copy these things down. But again, you're just observing. Uh, the third step is the letter A, and it just stands for application. And this is where we begin personalizing what we're reading. And we're, we're asking ourselves, okay, how does a verse like this apply uh, to my life right now? And so perhaps for you, uh, this word that God has for you is an instruction of something that you need to do in your life. 
Uh, or maybe it's more of an encouragement if you're going through a difficult time uh, and you need some encouragement for the Lord. Maybe you'll find uh, this particular verse to be a new promise, or uh, sometimes God will discipline us as we read. And so maybe as you read, you'll, you'll discover on some days a new correction uh, for a particular area of your life. But write down you know, what you think and, and how this scripture might apply to your life today. Let me just say this. This morning, uh, my alarm typically goes off at 6 on Sunday mornings, but about 5.15, I woke up, and for whatever reason, I was wide awake. And as I laid there and contemplated going back to sleep for another 30 minutes or something, I really just felt like the Lord spoke in my life and just said, get up and you need to spend some time reading your Bible today just for yourself. And so um, I spent some time in a particular study that I'm doing and uh, I got to John chapter 7 uh, verses 16 and 18 where Jesus was responding to how he taught and why he taught and where his inspiration comes from. And it was John 7, 18 that really popped for me when Jesus said, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. And what Jesus was basically responding to was saying, you know, as I teach all of my words, everything that I give, it comes from the Lord. And it's not for me, but it's for him. And it's for his glory. And I want people to see the truth through me. And for me, in that moment this morning, and as God was preparing me even to share this message today, I felt like he was just saying to me, Paul, you just share my words and you make sure all of the glory goes to me and let the truth come out of that for others to see. And that's what he did for me. And, and so he wants us to apply those words to our life. The final letter is the letter P, which just stands for prayer for us. And this is where you take that passage that you've read and you observe and you think about what application looks like and you pray a prayer and you ask God to help you put the passage into practice. You, help God, you ask God to help you apply these things, to, to guide you through these words. It's, ask, it's where you ask God to help you see what you're not seeing, or you ask him, again, to help you put these words into practice. And, and if it's a promise from God, you ask him to give you the faith to believe these words. And, and remember, as we've talked about here before, you know, prayer is a two-way conversation uh, with the Lord. And, and you can talk to God when you pray. And he loves to hear from you and he loves to hear what's on your heart. But as you pray, and I think this is a discipline he wants to grow in all of us, not only are we speaking, but we're listening to. And we're listening and we're waiting to hear from him so that we can hear what he has to say and the guidance that he wants to speak into our lives. And so we listen to his voice and we pay attention and we experience you know, how he wants to guide us and encourage us in the things that we're facing at school uh, or the things that you're facing, you know, in a particular relationship right now or in your marriage or you listen and wait as you're looking for wisdom, you know, with some financial matters in your life. See, God wants to guide you and he wants to guide you through his word. Eugene Peterson said it like this, the goal of reading the word is to listen for the voice of God who speaks. That's what we do when we read. That's what we do when we, we take the time with the Bible as we listen for the voice of God who speaks. Um, any college football fans here today? I'm, I'm sure we do, right? And, and if you're a college football fan, you probably love this time of the year. Uh, bowl games every day, all right? And if your spouse uh, doesn't like football, then you're just driving them crazy uh, during this season. Uh, how, how many of you uh, are any, any Michigan State fans here today? We got any Spartans fans? couple of them around the room. I, I came across this story this past week uh, that was pretty cool. Um, Duffy Doherty uh, was football coach for the Michigan State Spartans uh, from 1954 to 1972. And uh, during a road game against UCLA, uh, the score 
score was tied at 14 uh, with just a few seconds left in the game. And the Spartans had driven the ball down the field and were within uh, field goal range and ready uh, to take the win in the game. And so Coach Doherty uh, sent in his kicker, a guy by the name of Dave Dave Kaiser, uh, to make the final kick, this field goal, uh, to hopefully win the game. Well, uh, the writer described the moment uh, this way. He said, the ball was snapped and it was kicked toward the end zone, but instead of watching the ball sail through the uprights, this kicker, Dave Kaiser, immediately looked to the referee. Now, this was strange, he says, because most kickers watch the ball after they kick the field goal, not the ref, to see if the kick is good. Well, anyways, the kick was good, all right, and Michigan State won the game, and a little later, Coach Doherty went up to uh, this um, Uh, Dave Kaiser and ask him why he didn't watch the kick and instead it immediately turned to watch the ref. And you know what Dave Kaiser said? Here's what it said in the story. He, He responded, he said, I couldn't see it. I forgot my contact lenses at the hotel, so I had to watch the officials to know if the kick was good or not. He says, coach, I couldn't even see the goalpost. Now, at first... Uh, Coach Doherty was a little upset. I mean, if he had known the information, he probably wouldn't have sent uh, Dave Kaiser in to kick the winning goal for this game. But, but the more he thought about it, the less angry he became, and really the more impressed he was. You see, Kaiser kicked the ball perfectly because he was a supremely disciplined kicker. He knew kicking. He did it every day. He practiced every single day, and so he knew the distance, and he knew the angle with every kick. And so he didn't need to see the ball, and, and it was just this hours and hours of work and practice and careful discipline that allowed him to kick the field goal. So here's the thing. The more time we spend, the more time you spend reading the Word of God, the more you're going to hear from the Lord, the more natural it's going to become for you to look to it and to find his wisdom and find his direction and his answers uh, for your life. I mean, the more we're going to, the more you're going to grow from it as you read it. And is it any wonder then why we read in Psalm 119, 105, do we think this applies that your word is a lamp, what, for my feet and a light to my path? See, God wants to guide you. And he wants to guide you as you read and study the Bible. And so uh, read it. Study the word. Uh, Pray as you read God's word and hear the voice of the Lord from it. Quickly, let's finish up um, back in Matthew 2, verse 9. It says, after they had heard the king, these are the wise men, uh, and gotten their direction, uh, it says, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Notice how the Lord is still using this star, even potentially a couple of years later. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense of mercy. After months of traveling and months of searching, they finally found Jesus and they encountered this king, the son of God. And when they found him, what'd they do? What's it say? They worshiped him. They got down on their knees and they worshiped Jesus. See, here's the thing for you. We can seek guidance for any and all areas of our lives. You can find his guidance and wisdom for your finances. You can find his guidance and wisdom for that big decision that you've got coming up this next semester or a future career or whether to marry him or marry her or not or wisdom for health and some choices that we need to make. God wants to guide you in all of these areas But do you know what God wants to do more than anything in your life? 
Uh, it's number three in your notes, and that is he wants to guide you to himself. That's what's most important to him. I mean, the most important relationship that you'll ever have in your life is with Jesus. If you're a Christian, the most important relationship that you have in your life right now is with Jesus, and he wants to guide you. And again, he wants to guide us in every area of our life, but more than anything, he wants to guide us to himself. He wants to guide us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so like in this story, when it comes to Jesus and when it comes from guidance from the Lord, you can, you can respond in one of three ways. Um, you can respond like Herod, and even when he heard the truth and knew the truth, he still rejected it. You can respond like these teachers and spiritual advisors. I mean, they were right on. They knew where to look. They knew what the Scripture said, but they had nothing to do with it. They were indifferent. Or you can respond like the Magi, and they kept searching. And what did they find in their searching? They found him. And when they found him, what did they do? They worshiped him. They worshiped him. Which most describes you and where you are in your life right now? Which most describes what you want for your life and maybe how you'll pursue the Lord as we head into this next year together? God wants to guide you, and he wants to guide you through his word, and he wants to guide you to himself. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you um, that you have given us your word. We thank you that you've given us the Bible to teach us and to correct us, uh, to train us, to thoroughly equip us, to guide us. And God, I pray that what you would do is that you would increase in us a hunger for more. And that for some here today that, you know, maybe if they're honest with themselves, they know they've kind of overlooked the importance of reading the Scripture. Or they just can't seem to find time in their day or tried it before and given up. God, I pray that you would just kind of put an urge in them here this morning to go read their Bible. And uh, even though we don't have to wait till January 1st to get started, but that could start this afternoon or tonight or tomorrow, I, I pray that you would guide us towards the right tools if needed, um, the right reading plan, the right place to go, wherever it may be. Uh, would you just encourage us as we read? Uh, would you help us to see things that we've never seen before? Would you help us uh, discover wisdom uh, for some big things that we've got going on in life right now and our relationships, questions that we have, frustrations? Maybe for those that are here today who are hurting or depressed, Lord, encouragement from you for all things. Guide us through your word. Uh, give us a hunger for even more. And more than anything, uh, guide us to yourself, Lord, through Jesus Christ deepen our relationship with you, Father, through Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would do things in our heart, maybe even here this morning, or whenever time we just get close to Jesus, all we know to do is just worship him. And we worship because we trust, and we worship because we love, and we worship because we're grateful. Guide us, Lord, in life and through your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.